I am back with the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour. Uh, this one may take a little more than an hour. I'm looking at three issues this episode. Flash 35, which guest stars Manhunter. Manhunter number 18, which is the first part of the Satan Center storyline, which is the last major storyline of Manhunter before it ends. And Starman number 15, which introduces us to Deadline. Uh, sit back and enjoy, and let's get started with the show. We built this city! My name is Aaron Moss, and this is the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, presented by Head Speaks. This is an hour-ish long podcast, where we'll talk about the Will Payton Starman comic and the Mark Shaw Manhunter comic from the late 80s, early 90s. We'll talk about every appearance of these two great characters. If you've never read them or haven't read them in a while, this may be a good time to explore these issues. Now, let's get started with our first comic. As I mentioned in the opener, today we're going to start with The Flash, number 35. This had a cover date of February 1980, but the on-sale date was December the 12th, 1989. I knew what you're saying. Brother Head, this isn't Starman, it isn't Manhunter, and it's not an August 1989 book. What the heck are you doing? It'll be made clear in time, my friends. Uh, This was edited by Brian Michael Augustine. The title of this story was called Behold the Turtle. This was written by... William Messner Lobes, penciled by Greg LaRock. Inker was Larry Malstead. Letter was Timothy Harkins. The colorist, Glenn Whitmore. And the cover credit was Greg LaRocca. And these are comments. Again, the credits and these comments came from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Uh, this story is continued from Flash number 34, which I'm not covering here. It's an ongoing storyline. And the reason I'm covering this at this point and if you haven't read the Manhunter storyline, this may be spoilers, or we'll get to that in a minute. By virtue of the Manhunter's appearance, this story must take place chronologically prior to the Saints and Sinner storyline, which begins in Manhunter number 18. So that's why I'm doing this, because I'll be doing Manhunter 18 next. And uh, again, not saying whether Mark lives or die, whether Manhunter lives or die, but we know that the Manhunter series is ending after the storyline, so let's wait and see. Also, from uh, Mike's Amazing World of Comics, it said that this story reveals that there are two turtles. The original turtle is the mastermind of the gang and a former foe of Jay Garrick. And the turtle man, who was a foe of Barry Allen, was later disfigured in a lab accident. And the synopsis for this story, Mason Tolbridge assembles a group of all his friends to find the missing speedster. Working together, they track down the turtle's underground lair where Wally is to be held in a sensory debrevation. Rather than be captured, the turtle blows himself up, intending to take Wally with him. However, Wally escapes unharmed. The remains of the turtle's organization, including Mr. Sprint, 
Slow and Steady and the Turtle Man are arrested. Now let's get on to my thoughts on this issue. And again, since this isn't a Manhunter or actual uh, Starman book, I may not go full depth with my synopsis or with my coverage on this one, my thoughts on it. Uh, let's see what happens. So we start off the cover as I usually do. The cover shows you know, the Flash logo. Uh, we get the Flash in the top corner, and we have all his friends on the top on the cover page. Uh, on the right edge, we got a missing Flash with the picture of Barry's, or Wally's face in it. We got the elongated man, uh, his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend Connie, something other, I believe her name is. She's in the story. Mason Tollbridge, Pied Piper, Chunk. I love Chunk. He's a great character. Golden Glider, Captain Cold. And then the very top page up in the corner on the building, we get Manhunter looking down at all these people. And that's what we're here, folks, for the Manhunter. Uh, this is a decent cover. Uh, Manhunter looks a little washed out, but not bad for the cover, for what it is. And the rest, I say, uh, Mason Torbridge looks a little, I don't know, looks interesting. He's got the magnifying glass in front of him. Uh, also behind him, there's a handful of, oh, I, can't, I forgot about these people in the background. We get Heat Wave and the... Uh, Red Trinity, I believe it is. Some Russians, uh, super, super speedsters. Uh, it's a good cover. It says, Search for the Scarlet Speedster. This part of an ongoing story within the Flash where Wally come up, has come up missing. Apparently the turtle or turtle man has taken him. Uh, going off the story itself, again, I'm just going to skip over a lot of this because, again, I'm here for the Manhunter. Uh, we start out on page two. Basically, uh, page one is Mason Tollbridge talking about how Wally's gone missing and I've called everybody that cares about Wally to come help me with this. And then the next page we get, this page two, we were talking back and forth, people trying out, know, that's a decent page. Uh, down here we get uh, Manhunter in the bottom corner. He's standing there facing Mason Tollbridge. And he's like, Mason oh, on some damn island this time. <laughs> This is the last time he crossed over with the Flash. If you remember right during the Invasion crossover, they were in queue on the island. So it's an interesting little thing there like that. Uh, and then moving on to the story itself. Uh, again, they're talking about what's going on. The, everyone's bickering back and forth. And again, we get Manhunter here. He's like, new superheroes and ex old ex-supervillains. Ghoulies and ghosties and things that go bump in the night. West friends are a varied lot. <laughs> so again, I like we get elongated man in here. Uh, again, if you haven't read the Flash title, a lot of these people may not be not made who. Huh? Try that again. If you haven't read the Flash title, you may not know who some of these people are. Some of them are particular to the Flash title. I was reading the Flash this series. I enjoyed it. But let's move on. Uh, we get people, uh, who is this, Mason and Elongated Man going back and forth. Mason's an older detective. Elongated Man's a younger detective with superpowers. And they're giving each other grief. And then Flash is, uh, they call him F uh, Wally's girl. So I guess he's actually dating. Her name's Connie. She's a model. And, uh, so again, we get some mist. We get Wally, uh. We get Ralph shaking, spinning his, shaking his nose, his nose twigs whenever there's a mystery. And in case you're not familiar with the Flash TV show on the CW, uh, Ralph Digby, the elongated man, showing up over there. A little bit of a different character, but not too bad. 
Uh, but I guess so you were not too lost. Elongated uh, man, Ralph Digby, finds a, uh, a miniature turtle camera in one of the vents. He shows it to Mason. And that's where they realize that the, mace, that the turtle is more than likely the one that's captured Wally. And then we get Wally uh, in a white suit. This page, it's one on this one page, it's uh, one, two, three, four, five panels. The first four is Wally being confronted by Barry. Barry's telling me he's worthless. He's he's not he's not really the Flash. And Wally's trying to outrun him, but it's Barry, so he can't. And then here on the bottom part of the page, Barry's like, I'll always be ahead of you. Everyone knows you're a failure compared to me. Are you listening to Wally? Wally? And then it starts shaking and also becomes the turtle, or the turtle man. I'm going to get too confused throughout, so, because it's been a while since I've read these. And then we find Wally's in a, being held in a, uh, not necessarily a tank, but he's got like a white light holding him above a big dish, it looks like. And the turtle man, or turtle, turtle man, I think it's the turtle man. He speaks really slow. He's like, I am sorry that the status chamber gives you hallucinations. But without it, you would break free and beat me to a pulp. So, I am not too sorry. Wally's thing is like, who, who are you? And so we get the, a little uh, flashback how uh, he says that he's the turtle man. Uh, he knew he fought against Barry. Let me see here real quick. Uh, he was a small-time punk, trying to use slowness as a weapon. Time he wore a huge turtle shell on his back as part of his costume, yeah, and we so we see some scenes of Barry uh, Allen, aka the Flash, fighting against Turtle Man. Around, in fact, I remember this from an old story about somewhere where he's running around the Turtle Man's boat, and then we see him in the turtle shell. Then we see Wally and Barry carrying the turtle shell, and then we see how he met up with the first turtle. And then we see the first, I guess this is the first Turtle Man. He's in a complete turtle shell with a mask on and everything. And at this point, the turtle, as I talked about in the synopsis, the Turtle Man was apparently involved in some sort of accidents. Which he talks about down here. Uh, he says there was an explosion. He was, I was damaged. I was able to preserve my body with electronic prosthesis. Yeah, I'm not speaking like Turtle Man because it's way too slow for me. But, uh, so yeah, now he's, uh, the Turtle Man, is, he's in a chair of some sort, and I don't know if his eyes are huge, or if he's just got huge glasses on, he's bald-headed. But again, he's pretty much a loser at this point. He's always been kind of a loser, but he's even more so now. And he talks about how he built this, helped the Turtle build a vast criminal uh, empire, headquartered the ground. And they were never quite equal partners like you'd hope they would be. So he's kind of... We're supposed to be a, a partners with the turtle. And the turtle's kind of playing for a fool, if you will. Using him for what he can do. And then the turtle calls Turtle Man over. And they talk a little bit more. 
and couldn't find out. Let me see. He's got cameras all over the city. So here I've been on page nine. Uh, we're back we're here for Manhunter. And we see Manhunter uh, breaking up a credit card forging operation. And I just... <laughs> so page nine, Turtle Man's watch. He's like... Or the turtle, he's like, You see, this credit card forging operation is deliberately exposed. Thus, anyone looking for a crime will hit it first. And here comes Manhunter. Ooh, is he scary. <laughs> Again, it's, it's not a color photo. It's it's a washed out page, but I like the band. I can't really see him too well. He's just uh, one, two colors. He's perched on the bean looking down at these counterfeits, but he kicks him butt. It's a nice page. Next page, we show Turtle Man or Turtle roll around laughing, and we get a bunch of different scenes. And he set these up so a lot of these different heroes and villains. They're following different leads, leaving the same places. They're encountering each other. The Pied Piper's playing his music, which incapacitates the, the other heroes and villains. We see Manhunter in the background there. And then we uh, blow that. And again, you know, it looks like Manhunter there on this page with Pied Piper. And again, he's got a lot of different things going on here. So it's kind of hard. Well, I guess he is the Pied Piper because we get a comment how... Across town, the capitalist couriers, that's the, the Russian speeches I was talking about, rush the Piper, trampling Manhunter in the process. So I guess it's just a big cluster mess. And again, Turtle Man just sitting here laughing and rolling around. And Turtle Man is a large, balding, obese man, bad skin. Looks almost turtle-like, if you will. And then we get Mason Tollbridge and elongated man spying on this woman, who's an actress that helped get Wally captured. And as they're watching, they're attacked by a couple of yokels named uh, Slow and Steady. Uh, in fact, I talked about Slow and Steady recently. And I can tell you, I talked about recently over my uh, Head Speaks podcast. I had the amazing Zoom Yukonori join me for the Flash Annual Number 4, part of the Armageddon 2001 crossover. And Slow and Steady uh, showed up over there. In fact, uh, it was a great conversation. Definitely check that out. I think it was episode 40, if I'm not mistaken. Of the head speaks, but uh, slow and steady, they're, they're fighting Ralph and Mason, and they're, I think they're getting the better end of the deal. Slow and steady, that is. And all of a sudden, Connie shows up here at the bottom of page 12. He's like, Hi guys. She's like, Hi guys, busy. And we see her shake her jacket off, and she kind of shadows here a little bit. She goes walking up. My name's Connie. I don't really have a code name yet. I say maybe high fashion, spelled H Y dash F A S H U N. Or, stun, or stunner. What do you think? And why well, I don't know what she's wish. I think this is slow. He's like, oh, what are your powers? None. See, I'm a fashion model. That's why. No powers, no training. But why are you here? I know, Ditsy, right? But my guy, Flash, you know him, right? He's a superhero. He wears this really neat costume. And I always feel like such a front next to him. So I had this friend of mine. He's trying to make the... He's try, trying to break in as a designer, whip this up. Is it okay from like a villain standpoint? And so we get Connie standing here. We saw her on the cover of this outfit. Uh, stockings, uh, big boots with big old buccaneer type uh, collars on them. And uh, some wrappings around her arm. And then she's got, it looks almost like a metal shiny thing going on her neck. Covering her uh, hoo-ha, her, her, her uh, cha-chas. And going down, then it's covering up her 90 bits below. It's a very revealing costume without revealing anything. She's a blonde. She's, uh, as my buddy, the Redeemable Shag would say, she is hot. 
And so while she's keeping them distracted, uh, she's like, so I'm going to keep reading her, her lines here. It's funny. She's like, because I figure fighting crime is maybe 90% how good you look. The rest of it, well, when I see you guys fighting down here, I just call the cops. And I figure if we just chat long enough, well, here they are now. And we get the police sirens. <laughs> That's just great. I love that. She has no power, but she shows up and she distracts them long enough for the police to take care of them. And then here on the next page, page 14, we get uh, Jerry McGee and Tim McGee. They're a married couple. I think they're still married at this point. At one time, Jerry became a villain called the Speed Demon. Tina left him, was hanging off Wally. They were had a relationship for a while. Uh, they were working on the spy cam, trying to figure it out. And Jerry's like, gosh, you know, I can't figure out how this Charlescope minicam works at all. And Tina's like, you have to try, Jerry. Wally's life is at stake. And uh, they start arguing back and forth. Wally, Wally, he's all you care about. And she's like, at least he's a real man. And Trollman's just sitting there laughing at what's going on. These guys can't figure his camera out. And all of a sudden, they both turn and look at the camera. Of course, if we weren't complete doofuses, we'd have used these two senders to triangulate your position and inform the field teams. Good night, sweet prince. He's like, what? And all of a sudden, the screen plumps out. And again, we get Turtle Man. Yeah, the turtle, the turtle, so the turtle's the older guy. The Turtle Man's the younger one. Uh, Turtle Man's talking to Barry. I'm sorry, Wally. Wrong character. Wally. Basically telling him that, you know, that he he wants people to think he's smarter than he actually is. He, and uh, he's and he's upset the turtle ignores him and acts like he's nothing. And then Turtle comes in and starts yelling at Turtle Man, telling him he's an idiot, that they're able to use his equipment to triangulate him. And then as Turtle's talking to Turtle Man, uh, we get Mr. Steady dragging Mason Tolbridge in. And also there's a, uh, a big rumble. The building starts shaking. And we see that our heroes are assaulting the Turtles headquarters. And again, for our, our information, for our purposes, on page 17 at the bottom, we do show a shot of Manhunter, again, on black and white. The guy's baton up against the head of one of the guys reporting in. And then kind of find out that Mr. Steady was actually Ralph Digby. He had shapeshifted himself into looking like Mr. Steady. And I see, I wrapped that he could do that. In fact, he can change his hair color here from this reddish blonde to black. And he's actually done that in the Flash TV show. Again, Elongated Man, as I, like I said, he's on the CW's Flash TV show. He's able to morph himself to look like other people. So that's interesting. And then basically we get all these people. There was attacking... And like here on page 30, again, it's, it's if you not haven't read the entire series, some of this is lost on you. But as the turtles try to get away, Wally chases after him. And as he's running the, the effects of what they've been doing to him, it's kind of affecting him. And we see from his, he's turning into the porcupine man, which is a brief period he went through. He starts disintegrating like Barry did back in the crisis. And then he comes up, and he finds the turtle sitting by himself in a room. And Turtle's like, all I wanted was one city, one little city. Keystone City was dying. Nobody wanted it except for me. Everything to keep you away, but still you came. And so he pulls a detonator out, hits a button, explodes. The last second, the capitalist careers grabs Wally and pulls him free. 
and saves them. And <laughs> as they're running away here on page 20, they're running with Wally like, now that we are becoming savers of your life, can you be giving us tax tips? It was like, ah, the fickles, the fikas are killing us. <laughs> and then here at the end of the page, uh, again, Manhunter's out of the story at this point. Uh, he may be in the background, so I'm just not seeing him offhand. Here on page 22, just to end the story out, we end with Wally laying in Connie's lap after he's been through. I gotta say, what a lucky man. Because uh, <laughs> again, as I said, Connie's hot. And as the police start, start to haul Turtle Man off, uh, well, he's like, hang on, well, hang on a second. He runs and tells the police that, you know, he was the brains behind the outfit. His powers and abilities are, well, probably limitless. And like, oh, we're going to have to triple the guards and send him directly to Bell Rev. They know how to deal with him. A super criminal, huh? How does that work? How did you create this vast underground empire? And so it ends. Wally's free. Turtle has blown himself up. Turtle Man's been captured. But he's got a smile on his face. He's happy that the police think that he's in charge. Think that he's he's uh, the brains behind the whole outfit. So again, even though he is a bad guy, well, you did him a solid, did him a favor. Uh, again, it was a good issue. I enjoyed this run. I may cover this at some point in one of my shows or its own. I don't know yet what I'm going to do, but definitely check out the Flash. It was a great series. I'm going to go ahead and play a little bit of promo break. We've been doing this for about 20 minutes. And then we'll come back with Manhunter number 18. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hey, Gene, we should do a podcast. Sounds like a great idea, Jeff. But what will we talk about? How about a superhero that we both love? Perfect. Someone like Thor or Captain America? Uh, both great choices, but um, I think they're being covered by somebody else already. Wait, I've got it. What about the protector of the universe? Like Voltron? No, no, no. The guy with the jewelry that lets him create whatever he wants. Ah, Green Lantern, nice. Close. No, this guy has cosmic awareness. Captain Marvel? Almost. I mean... Quasar! Ah, oh, Quasar. Who doesn't love a good Quasar? Tune in to the Quantum Cast, covering all things Quasar. Yes, that's right. You can find us at quantumbands.blogspot.com. And on the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. Yeah, that, that didn't sound scripted at all, did it? Attention! Attention all personnel! New from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, it's MASHCAST! Hosted by MASH Megafan Rob Kelly and a rotating cast of VIPs, MASHCAST analyzes, episode by episode, the greatest television series of all time, MASH! Find MASHCAST on fireandwaterpodcast.com. Jocularity! Jocularity! All right, we're back with one of our actual titles that we actually cover on this show. Uh, we're looking at Manhunter number 18. This came out October, I'm sorry, the cover date was October 1989. The on-sale date was August the 15th of 1989. The cover price was $1, edited by Jonathan Peterson. The title of this story is called Recall to Life. Written by Kim Yell, plotted by John Oshinger, penciled Grant Meum, inker was John Statham, Letter was Gaspar Saldino. Color is Carl Gafford. 
and the cover was done by Grant Meenham. Comments, again, all these notes and the comments come from Mike's Amazing World of Comments. Mike's Amazing World of Comments. <laughs> Mike's Amazing World of Comics. The uh, comments on this one, this is Saint and Sinners, part one of six. I said the last main miniseries before the show, the series ends. So, not miniseries, but the last uh, miniseries, I guess, within the series. Story arc, before the title ends. So, the synopsis, again, from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. Following the death of Dumas at the hands of Manhunter, an ex-CIA operative steals the body and uses it to create a serum which will grant him the power of Dumas. Warriors of the Daiichi Tuku assault the lab where the serum is created. They kill all involved in the production but not before their leader is injected with the Zerm. He then becomes the new Dumas. War of the new Dumas is carried to America by Kazoo Haswag. He informs Mark Shaw and his family. Then they join Haswag on a trip to Tokyo. When they arrive for a meeting with Yukio's father, they discover that Dumas has already arrived to kill Eli Haswag. I'm probably mispronouncing those names, but that's why I pronounce them. Now, as usual, my thoughts on this story, and like normal, we'll start the cover. The cover with the Manhunter logo uh, on the left-hand side. I believe this is going to be the trade dress for the next six issues. It says Saints and Sinners, part one of six. It's got a brown border in the middle of the main picture. We show a picture of Mark Shaw. Uh, he's taking his Manhunter mask off. And he's got like a, a greenish... Mark on his face. I think it's the Saint, the Saint, the Dumas logo, if I'm not mistaken, over his eyes and down his nose. This page doesn't appear in the comic. The scene doesn't actually appear in the comic, but it's an interesting, it's an interesting cover. I say for the last main story arc, it's got a very interesting cover to start it. Uh, going on with the actual story itself, we start off with. A caption that says several months ago, we get this uh, pagoda, and down at the end we see Mark Shawley against his motorcycle, his helmet, the batons laying on the ground, and presumably this is after that first story arc back in Manhunter one through four, when he fought Dumas. After then to that, uh, we see Manhunter right away, and again this is all very nice artwork, very par for the course for this book. I like the page here on a. Uh, with a panel here on page two, we get a close-up of Mark's face, he's sweating, and then we see him just riding away with the go to the background. It's a very nice page. And I do like the way the, the credits and this is laid out. It's like it's it's laid laid out like a movie. Screenplay by Kim Yell, story by Kim Yell and John Ostinger, cinematography by Grant Meenham, production design, color timing, titles and optics by so it's uh directed by Jonathan Peters. So it's laid out very much like a movie, and it's kind of got that movie feel to it. So I like the way it's, it's laid out here. And then we see this guy. He looks vaguely familiar. Uh, well, it starts out on page three. We're inside the dojo. We got all these swords laying about, and we see Dumas' body with some guy standing over him. I'm on page four. We get this guy. He looks familiar to me. I'm not trying to place him. I, I know I've seen him before somewhere. I'm pretty sure I have. Uh, he may have been back in the first story arc. With Saint du with Dumas, he looks down Dumas's body, then turns and runs away, and he calls a Mister Maison, and he said he's seen the face behind the Iron Mask, and the artwork on this page is exceptional. I, I think you can see 
the fear. I can see. To me, it looks like I can see fear on the guy's face as he's talking on the phone. And apparently, this guy's name is Carlos. So he's talking to Mr. Mizon. He tells you know, Mizon tells him not to call the police. And see, I'm not quite sure what's going on here. This this first couple pages, it's it's got some good artwork, but it's not quite clear because we see, or maybe it's a bit later, is what it is. It's a little jarring because we get him on the phone saying, "Mr. Mizon, please." I see the face behind the mask, and then we cut to I'm assuming it's Mr. Mizon saying, "I appreciate the call, Carlos." Allows us to do our job without the local law budding in, and so forth. But we get Carlos standing there in front of him smoking a cigarette. And Carlos like, speaking of the law, you squelched Aquino's warrant, right? He's like, oh, the Penske warrant, not the warrior. You're frozen assets, Carlos. Got the papers right here. He pulls a gun out and he shoots Carlos. And in the background, there's a helicopter. So I'm assuming... Okay, see, it's okay. I guess I'm a little uh, clueless sometimes, because... Now that I'm looking, Mr. Maison flew in the helicopter and he's in the same building where Dumas' body was found at. For some reason, I just got thrown off there for a minute that he was on the phone to him. Next thing we know, he's there without any sort of uh, indication there was a time cut or anything. Uh, but again, he's used to, again, it's very good artwork. We can see, clearly see what's going on. If you're not a doofus like me, I'm sure you can probably tell that it's been some time for Mr. Maison to fly out and his helicopter was in the background. Pay attention to the clues there, brotherhead. And as I talked about, we get these guys, Maison's uh, ex, the ex-CIA agent, I guess. Uh, they're wiring the house to explode. And they fly away. Just looking here at the artwork. Again, it's very good artwork. Uh, not much really to say about the story so far. It's pretty much self-explanatory. Once they get past that page, yeah, they blow up Dumas's place, and they're doing work. And so here, where we find out that uh, Maison used to work for the CIA. Let me see here on page eight. Uh, the science is talking to Maison. He's like, you know, one day your esteemed agency colleagues are going to shut you down. Maison's like ex-colleagues, Raken. As far as I'm concerned, the CIA is run by a bunch of espionage dilettantes. I plan on showing them just who the real master is. As he's holding up looking at Dumas's mask. And yeah, that was Dumas's uh, logo or whatever on Mark's face on the cover. We see it here. And then this next page is page nines. If this was a movie or a TV show, this would be a montage showing uh, them experimenting on Dumas's body. They got his body stripped down naked, wires hooked up to it, setting his blood, x-rays. Basically trying to make him find out what makes his metagene tick, what makes him be able to do what he can do. And we probably, you know, we got him narrating what's going on here. And we may have some of that, but again, I, I can see this in a movie. I see it being a montage with a, some music behind it with all this going on for a couple minutes. <laughs> again, very movie-like. And I don't know if it's because of the movie credits that made me think of that, or if it's just the way the page is laid out. But I like the way that's done. And they, they have a, a serum that they inject a rat with, and the rat's face starts kind of melting, if you will. Looking like Dumas's did. And Maison realizes that it works, so he takes the, uh, the injects needle from him, and so he's like, I shall be Dumas! 
be very melodramatic there. It works. There it is. Revenge in a syringe. Rankin, you're a genius. I shall be Dumas. And those guards rush in. Mason, we got Mason, we got a secure uh, perimeter breach. And so they start destroying the equipment and everything. As they're attacked by the uh, Yakuza. But before they're able to take Maison out, he injects himself with the, the Dumas serum. And then one of the, the Yakuza guys stabs him with a sword. And again, they're trying to destroy... And I guess these aren't Yakuza necessarily. These are uh, Dumas' men. He says, you know, take our beloved leader to the jet. Chant the prayers, warm dignity, the noble spirit that just then destroy this vile place. No one must know the unspeakable blasphemy that occurred here. He's like, burn everything. And that's when uh, Maison injects himself. The main guy pulls a sword out, stabs him. And then we're in Tokyo two months later, and we got the, the Duma cult, cult of Dumas. Dumas, Dumas. And then kneeling in front of the new Dumas, and he stands up, kill me, as all those people rush towards him. And, oh, okay, see, I, I missed seeing what was going on here. Maison wasn't injecting himself with the uh, the, the Dumas medicine uh, serum. He was injecting the, the cult leader, the uh, main leader guy, Huh. Yeah, so I thought Maison was injecting himself, and, I, and then he got stabbed. So I was wondering what was going on, but that's what it is. He stabbed, he injected the, the uh, Dumas leader guy in the arm with it, and then the Dumas guy he stabbed Maison, killing him. And these people think, so that's who it is here on page 13, demanding these people worship, you know, fight, fight him. And then the next page here on page 14, it says, uh, 35 hours later. And we get the police with a bunch of all these dead guys that was attacking Dumas earlier. It's a page ago. He wiped them all out. And uh, we get th this one guy. Uh, you know, I'm terrible on names. Mr. Hagwagen. Uh, he's got his head bowed. Kind of, he's like, I knew Dumas is the prison. Marshall must be told. So again, it's an interesting little setup here, introducing the new Dumas, bringing him in. It's like the first half of this story, of this issue, is introducing the new Dumas, telling how he came, became Dumas. Uh, it's interesting. I like it. And then we get Mark Shaw doing his job as Manhunter. He's uh, chasing some guy called the Grasshopper. Let me see here real quick. He's got strength, and he can jump. And again, the next couple pages, we have Mark chasing this guy down. They're fighting. And again, Mark shows why he is the man. There in two pages, he got this guy taken down. And I like the drawing bottom of page 16. Ordinarily, I don't bother with petty crooks like this. But then Sex stole a one-of-a-kind designer pin, and its artist had posted a hefty reward for its recovery. Might as well collect the fee. <laughs> so again, so he took out this criminal, plus he's, he's getting paid. For the, the recovery fee for the pin, so plus whatever uh, bounty is on this this criminal. 
And then the next page, we get Sylvia talking to Lieutenant Bass, and she's like, you believe him, this lieutenant? I cross-referenced the first set of prints and discovered he's on a work-release program. All these robberies were committed on his way back to prison. This is like uh, nothing like our criminal justice system at work. And this came out, like I said, in 89, and this was uh, Mark, I mean Mark, John and Kim talking about the, the American justice system. Here it is. Almost 30 years later, and I don't know as much has changed with our political system, or not political, but the uh, the justice system. I don't think it's much better. Again, I, I'm not in the justice system, but you see it on TV all the time. This isn't a podcast about the justice system, but I, I will comment that I think that John and Kim were onto something, and unfortunately, I say not much has changed in the last 30 years, so. And then we get uh, Sylvia telling Mark that his sister called, and there's an emergency. He meets the meet stepfather's law office, and again, he's not sure what's going on. All she said that it was an emergency, he doesn't know what the, the problem is. So here on page 18, he's leaping over a desk and running towards the door. And uh, he kicks the door open and he's like, good lord, they circled the wagons. And they go in, they see his entire family there, plus... Kazoo, 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 however you pronounce his name. Again, it's Japanese. I'm terrible at that. Sorry about that. But uh, Kazoo tells him that, you know, he brings his father in Obon's salutations and also brings urgent news. Dumas lives. And here on the bottom page 18, we get a close-up of uh, Kazoo's face, the great Kazoo. I mean, uh, <laughs> Kazoo, Kazoo, however you pronounce it, face says, Dumas lives. And we get a close-up of his eyes. It's a very nice panel. The whole page is nice. We get this family just standing around watching as this goes on. And Mark takes him out. April Fool's month ago, Kazoo. We're traveling 8,000 miles to tell me that Dumas is alive. You're right a practical joke. And again, so they talk a little bit, and Kazoo brings out a knife. One of Dumas's knives showing that Dumas is alive. And I like this. Here on page 20, he's like, Time to go hunting. Same man now about fought. Is it the same man I fought before? Because he was like, no, does it matter? And Mark's like, guess not. My family in danger. And then his brother Jamie, who's kind of a selfish beep, uh, he's like, is my family in danger? He asked, what do you think? Don't you agree that I'd make a lovely assassin's targets? And the rest of the family, like, you selfish of all the, all of us are targets. Unfair, Jamie. Unfair. It's his dad. It's very, very much like his dad. Unfair, Jamie. Unfair. And uh, Kazoo's like, accept my offer of protection. Come to Japan while Markson stalks Dumas. And Mark's like, this is about Australia, isn't it? And that's back during the uh, the invasion crossover when Mark went down, to, actually right after the invasion crossover, he went down to Australia and had a little venture down there. And again, Jamie's kind of ranting and raving. Are we your pawns again, Mark? Aren't you ashamed of what your identity as manhunter gets us in trouble? I am. I'm also sick and tired. And then uh, one of the you're like, I think it's a sister. Stop it. You weren't the one who had a knife at your throat. So again, the rest of the family kind of supports Mark and his decision to be manhunter. But Jamie is a little more self-centered, a little more, what about me, me, me? 
And then they arrive at, back at uh, Kazoo's place where they find his father, the whatever it is, the leader, is falling over out of his chair, St. Dumas' knife in his back, and St. Dumas is like, the old one is dead. Long live the new old one of the Daichi Duku. And it says, next Shadow War. And again, this was the first part of the, like I say, six-part storyline after the six-line story, six-part storyline. I believe there's one more issue that kind of wraps everything up, and then our story's ended with Manhunter. Again, I think for a beginning salvo in this for the story arc, I think that Kim and uh, John did an excellent job on it. I, I think the artwork is par for course. I think Grant Meenum and John Statham is doing a fantastic job with the, the uh, artwork. I love Carl Gafford's uh, colors in this. I mean, it matches the storyline. It's not the four-color superhero look that I prefer, like, like in Starman. But Manhunter is a little bit of a, a darker book, if you will. I mean, it came out of Suicide Squad, which is a dark book with darker colors. So I think it fits in that Suicide Squad mold and the Suicide Squad universe rather nicely. I think they did a good job, and I can't wait to read this whole storyline. Uh, we'll get to the next part next month. But, you know, not a whole lot to say other than that. Like I said, I enjoy the artwork. I enjoy the writing. I've commented what I wanted to comment on. Uh, let's go take another break. It's been about 20 minutes, about time. Let's take another break, and we'll come back with Starman. We'll return after these messages. Hi, John. Hi, Maggie. I'm still wrapping my brain around the fact that we're married. <laughs> Me too, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Aw. Oh, hey, I was looking at these old comics, and I noticed that there's Hold a Hold that thought. Why don't we talk about it on our podcast? Do we have a podcast? It seems like the logical next step. We get married. We change our names. We combine our comic collections. We start a podcast about comic books. Well, I can't fault your logic, but, but there are plenty of podcasts out there already. Do you really think we'll have anything new and interesting to say? Oh, I think we'll manage. Welcome to the Married with Comics podcast, where we constantly f*** up. <laughs> it goes from Marvel Girl to Phoenix to Marvel Girl to Jean Grey to Phoenix to Dead. Um, <laughs> and then apparently he's so consumed with his own thoughts that he runs right past three monkeys <laughs> in an A brainwave camera took a picture of that guy's head. A brainwave camera. Oh, and Ben's just basically, whatever you gotta do to stop the commies, Nick. So join us at the Married with Comics podcast, where two newlyweds with a love for comics intelligently, critically, and thoughtfully discuss comic books. Also listen as we goof around, make jokes, and make fun of John for mispronouncing names. I do that a lot. Sometimes we'll pick a topic and review and discuss comics that relate to the topic. And sometimes we'll pick up a comic and see what discussion topics come up. Sometimes we'll spend an entire episode talking about how much Maggie loves Batman. The only thing that's almost as strong as my love for you is my love for Batman. The Married with Comics podcast. Available directly on our site at marywcomics.libsyn.com, on iTunes, and wherever good podcasts are found. Also, check us out at Facebook at the Married with Comics podcast. We've got everything you need. Yeah. 
It began with the origin of his comic book fandom. This is the very first comic book I have ever read, and also ignited the spark of my comic book collecting over the course of a 1974 weekend. Professor Zoom Yukinori led an ongoing expedition through his favorite single-issue comic book stories from the Bronze Age of DC Comics. Balance of Power, Have Horse, Will Fly, Solomon Grundy, Wins on a Monday, Superman's Unbeatable Rival, Green Lantern, Master Criminal of the 25th Century. With unique celebrity guest perspectives in an ambitious attempt to set this program apart from other comic book review podcasts. Call me Terror Man. Solomon Grundy am co-host this time. I am Lanos, the, the lexical, lexical archive of Minutia, Expositions, and Origins. Goodbye, me am Bizarro. I am Libra. This is Aya from the Green Lantern. It is I, the Reverse Flash. Which had ended with the destruction of the universe. Or... Has it? Why in duration are we? I regret to say that you are my prisoner. Without our interspatial time conveyor, we are all essentially trapped here. Can't summon the willpower necessary for my power ring to pull me free. For nearly two decades, I had carried her ghost within my heart. Experience the wonder. Great wings of Mercury! <laughs> of an all-new season. Solomon Grundy, fat little pointy-eared man before. Let us get back to the story, shall we? Down, down, and approach. Of the Done in One Wonders Podcast Wonder Show. Only on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Allow me, Entity Terra Man. That does it. Tain't messing with no timey lines ever again. And here we are with Starman number 15. The cover date on this bad boy was October of 1989, but to buy it fresh off the stand, you had to be uh, buying comics August the 29th of 1989. Well, you could have bought it any time in that time period, but it came out on August 25th. The cover price was $1, edited by Brian Michael Augustine. The title of this issue is called Deadline Doom. The writer was Roger Stern, penciled by our buddy Tom Lyle, inker was Scott Hanna. Letter was Robert M. Piana, colorist Carl Gafford, and the cover was done by, well, Tom Lyle. The synopsis, Will Payton visits Las Vegas, or his friend Phil Easton has hit the jackpot. Upon arriving in town, Starman rescues a, jet, a Learjet with engine trouble. He then joins Phil for a, long, for a night on the town. His night is interrupted when a costume killer chases a man through the streets. The killer is Deadline, a mercenary who has already killed the man's two brothers for failing to pay a gambling debt. Starman protects the man, Joey Finster, but Deadline possesses the ability to walk through walls, making him difficult to catch. Eventually, Deadline disappears. Finster is paid in protective custody, but Deadline, again, he can walk through walls, buddy. He returns and finishes the job. Finishes, try that again, and finishes the job. Uh, the synopsis and all the credits, of course, was taken from Mike's Amazing World of Comics, a great site. I love Mike and his website. Uh, anyways, moving on to his actual issue, we're going to start where we always do with the cover. The cover, we have our Starman logo, 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 
And then below that it says Deadline Doom. Uh, below that we get our villain Deadline coming through a, a window, it looks like. Grabbing, and again, I say coming through a window. As I talked about the synopsis, he can face you thing. So he's not, the window's not open. He's facing through the window and he's grabbing Starman from behind. He's got a knife in his hand. His hand, other hands coming up to grab Starman's head. Starman's face is kind of like in a panic mode. You know, got this guy coming behind him. I, I like this cover. It's a very nice cover. Uh, may not be one I think of when I think of Starman, but looking at it, it's a great cover. Um, everything's dynamically proportioned. Dynamic proportion, is that right? Proportioned correctly. I'm trying to use big words, I may be using it wrong. Uh, but this is a great cover. I, I like this cover. Uh, yeah, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it's it's very nice. I definitely recommend checking out this cover. I'll post on the blog as normal. But moving on to the story itself. Our story starts. The synopsis for Mike's kind of skips his first part. But we start out with this guy in a motel room, kind of pacing, smoking, like, what the hell? You know, he's nervous. He's worried. Uh, he's talking to... I don't think he's say it right here, but it's his brother's... Uh, which we talked about the Finster brothers. Uh, we got one of them here in the motel smoking and warring. We got the other two at a payphone. Second page, we get our shot of Dead Zone. Dead Zone. Deadline. Deadline? Yeah, Deadline. Uh, it's a nice character. I mean, again, we got a little bit of him on the cover. His helmet is his upper body, but here we get a full, again, full uh, quarter page. A little more than quarter page of the villain. Uh, he's got it again. You'll see his mask on the website, but he's got that helmet on. Uh, the rest of him, he's got black and yellow body armor. He's got a gun to his side. He's got uh, a jock strap, basically knee pads, uh, gauntlets, boots. It's a very nice looking character. Um, got the, like he's got the the Ghostbusters. No symbol on his head. Without the ghost, of course. It's a very nice-looking character. I don't think DC did as much of the character as they actually could. Uh, this is Deadline's first appearance. He was created by our buddy Roger Stern. Uh, just going over to the Wikipedia page real quick. Again, as I said, this was his first appearance. He was created by Roger Stern. Team affiliation. He was affiliated with a team called Killer Elite. Birth of the Suicide Squad. So I may talk about that over my Task Force X podcast at some point. And the Secret Society of Supervillains. Uh, he shows up a couple of times, eventually gets killed, but he comes back to life in quotes. And then he shows up in issue 15 of Deathstroke, which I think I mentioned, or maybe I posted on the Facebook page. Uh, in the DC Rebirth in Deathstroke 15, he kind of shows up. And let me see real quick. But yeah, I say he shows up in... Let me see here real quick. Yes, this first appearance. He shows up in Suicide Squad 63 and 66. So I will be talking about Deadline over my Task Force X podcast at some point. Uh, just looking real quick at Wikipedia references. He shows up in the New Year's Evil. The double, body doubles looks like. Aquaman, Steel. Uh, and here and there. So again, I, I like this character. Not one of my favorite villains. But... Uh, this is a good-looking character. And he's got an interesting power. He can phase through things, so it makes it almost impossible to get away from him, as we'll find out later in the story. And so I like this. Uh, he shows up in the guy's room. Uh, he pulls his gun out and starts shooting him. 
I like this. He's like, uh, let me see. I'm here. Let me see. Sam Galloway sent me. I'll have his money soon. Until your time's running out. No, no. And so the bad guy uh, pulls his gun out on Deadline. And Deadline's like, you want to play? Good. Give me your best shot. And he fires several shots at him, which goes right through him because of his phasing powers. What are you? I told you. I'm Deadline. And you just missed yours. Where are your brothers? Vegas. Thanks. Boom. Vegas, huh? No sense like these tickets go to waste. I'll give your brother my best. And then we see him using his powers technically for the first time as he phases through the wall. Well, I guess I can see he phases the bullets. And then he phases the wall as he leaves. And then we cut to Las Vegas. Here on page three, we get a great shot of Will Payton, Starman, flying through Las Vegas. We got these buildings. I'm not familiar with what these umbrella-looking places are. Um, this was back in 89. I went to Vegas for the first time in the... Oh, when was it? Mid-2000s? Let me see. I got married... 2005, so like 2003, 2004, early 2000s, was my first time in Vegas. So I, I don't recognize these buildings. I don't know if they're these, these, they're not buildings. They're, uh, there's plants that are like little, uh, sitting areas. Uh, but I don't think they've torn them down or I just didn't set part of the strip. I don't know. But, anyways, enough about those. I do like here where Starman's flying through. Uh, he's talking about how he, he knew he couldn't start the weekend without some trouble. And he's flying above the Vegas Strip, and we get people on the ground. Look up in the sky. Oh, my God, that's no bird. It's a plane. Now, on the next page, you see a plane kind of crashing towards the ground. Lear jets. And I like this. Will's first thought, he's like, what am I going to do? How would Superman handle this? Because, again, he's met Superman, so Superman's on his mind. And so he yells the guy to shut down his engines, and he picks the jet and kind of... Again, he's not strong enough to fly off like Superman would. But he's strong enough to keep it from crashing. And he kind of lands in the middle of the strip. Again, so this shows, like I say, Will's not as powerful as Superman is. But he is strong enough to keep the jet from crashing. He's able to get to land down nicely on the ground. I like this one uh, charter bus. Got a sign on the side. A sign on the side, Jay Leno at Caesar's Palace. Again, we get a nice shot of the strip. Again, as I said, I didn't get to Vegas until early 2000s. I was in my 30s by the time I got there. So as a younger kid, a kid, I was an older teen at this point. These were my images of Vegas, these in movies. And then over in Firestorm when he showed up in Vegas for a little bit. Uh, again, I like this here on page six. He lands the plane, and the pilot comes out, and the guy, Will's like, Are you okay, your passengers? He's like, Nobody on board but me. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's gonna be fine now. Excuse me for staring. I've never been saved by a flying man before. And then Starman's like, We're even. I've never landed a plane before. <laughs> He's like, Who are you? And the crowd, the crowd's just watching, chanting, Starman, Starman. What they said. So again, so I, I really like this Will Payton saving the plane. And again, he I like the thought, as I said, you know, he's like, well, what's Superman doing in this case? I'm try to catch it. <laughs> and then we cut to the story where he flies off, meets his buddy Phil. 
and Phil won a lot of money, so he you know he's partying like it's 1989. <laughs> so I did there, and uh, he's on the piano, I guess singing. So I like here on page. I'm looking for a page number, page eight. Uh, Will comes walking into the party, and someone you know, hands him a drink, and uh, <laughs> he's looking. All these girls are like almost hitting on him. There's one guy was like, "Hello, gorgeous," and these other two chicks are like, "Please let him be single." And we can tell from their hairstyles that this is late 80s, early 90s, just where they have the hair done. It's no longer the actual 80s with all the feathered hair, but it's kind of feathered, kind of, oh, it's shorter, kind of really slicked back on one side. Uh, and as he's at the uh, piano yelling up at his buddy Phil, 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 hey, secret agent man, Wilbo, you made it. <laughs> yeah, in record time, you must got a fast flight. Uh, yeah. Starman flew me, but he didn't say that. But and there's this other chick at the piano looking nice. So Starman for all, or not Starman, but Will Payton for what he is. He's he's a ladies' man. Well, I guess ladies' man is not the right word because he doesn't realize it or he doesn't seem to. But these ladies, you know, think he finds he's attractive. And, you know, they're all thinking, you know, well, I'd like to hit that. <laughs> And he's, uh, his buddy Phil's like, hey, everybody, this is Will Payton, my best buddy in the whole entire known universe. And Will's thinking, you better not need a loan. Because <laughs> this way he doesn't know what happened. His buddy's buying drinks for everybody. He's like, that's kind of strange. And they go outside, and they find, Will finds out that his buddy hit the, the uh, one of the, the dollar slots, hit the jackpot on it. And like, Will... Again, he's having problems struggling for money. He's, you know, having problems with the job. And he's thinking about how, you know, if he won the money instead of partying, he'd, you know, he could buy himself a house, buy himself a nice car. He could get out from, you know, from underneath his mom and maybe, you know, get our weekend rubas he thinks about here. But again, he's like, I don't want to judge him. He's my buddy. We're different people. But you know what? I wish I could have that money. Again, you don't blame the guy, you know. Some people win a lot of money. They party. Others think about responsibly and want to do the responsible thing. So it's very real like here. And like here on top of page 10, he's like, Hey, you going to stand there daydreaming about my money or you going to spend it? I don't suppose I'd talk you out of this. Nope, but you come along and keep me from doing anything outrageous. I do want to get home in one piece. <laughs> and again, they mentioned Jay's, uh, I'm sorry, Jay Leno's show at the Caesars Palace. And so Phil buys his buddy Will a nice suit. And again, we get a hot blonde looking at Will going, nice. So Will's got all these women without realizing it, you know, going, wow, hey there. <laughs> and then here kind of, uh, I don't know if it dates it, but Phil comes in dressed in a suit going, Mr. Bond, isn't it? And then Phil, <laughs> Will Payton's like, Make that Will and Phil's excellent adventure. <laughs> it's a reference to Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. And I guess I said it's kind of dating it, but I guess not. See, now they're talking about doing a third one. Hmm. Anyways. Uh, again, I just like the, the dialogue. Roger does a fantastic job on the dialogue. Uh, the artwork, as I've talked about, is fantastic. Here on page 11, Will and Phil, Will and Phil, are walking through the casino trying to figure out what game to start with. And we get our, our uh, they're not really the villains of the story, but they are the, the bad guys, in quotes. Uh, we get the uh, Finster brothers, the two that are still alive. They're looking at Will and Phil walking, and one of them's like, hey, 
Look at these two. I bet they're Lotus. Time to pick a couple pockets, maybe. And they were like, no, man, we're not ready to gamble. We're not getting in trouble. <laughs> and so this is Moxie and Nix. I don't know if that's their real names or if that's their nicknames. If they're real names, their parents hated them. And again, we get, if this was a TV show, it'd be a montage scene showing them doing some Vegas stuff. We'd have some, probably, uh, Elvis Presley or Frank, Frank Sinatra or somebody playing music in the backgrounds, showing them going to different casinos, watching shows, playing different games, showing different scenes. I do like this here on page 11 where, like I say, it would be, it's, it's a montage scrolled up into a little over half a page. I do like this. It's very nice. It's a montage without the montage. <laughs> and then we get the Finster Brothers a little, way, a little time later. We, uh, we get, who is this? Uh, Maury. Again, so those were their nicknames earlier. We get the real names here. We get Maury can walk into the hotel room thinking, oh man, lost all that money. That's lock all the snake eyes. What am I going to tell Danny? Is he saying out loud? What am I going to tell Danny? Which is the brother that was killed earlier in the story. And uh, so, let me see. Somebody tell Danny. And Deadline's waiting inside. He's like, that's the least of your worries. Danny's dead. You're next. Your brother I shot. Hate to repeat myself. So he starts to strangle him. And about this time, his brother Joey comes walking in. The other guy from earlier. Hey, Moore, you want a Milky Way? About the time that Deadline snaps his brother's neck. Joey Finster, you just became an only child. But not for long. And again, so we get Will paying his buddy Phil into a taxi. As he hears a gunshot, he throws some money at the driver. Tells him he should get back to his motel room, gets to bed. And Will goes running off, paying his hands over his face, changing his appearance into Starman. And again, here on page 13, we get Deadline. Outside the hotel, there's a car on fire. People are, you know, hiding behind things, looking... As Deadline goes looking for uh, Finster. And <laughs> here on page 14, we get uh, <clears throat> uh, Jay Leno. Because again, Jay Leno's, you know, he will want to see Jay Leno earlier. There was that bus with the Jay Leno thing on it. So again, we get Jay Leno come walking up. Hold it right there. What do you think this is? A slow movie? Deadlines, what are you talking to me? Now, who do you think I'm talking to? The dumpster? And he's all, don't get my way, go back to tonight's show. And I'd look and see because I thought Leno started the tonight show after this. He did. He started the tonight show as a host May the 25th, 1992. So he must have been referring to Leno's just being a guest on tonight's show. And uh, Jay Leno again in quotes is like, a lot, you know, Einstein, tonight show originates in Burbank, not Vegas. And uh, <laughs> it's, it's Will, in case you have figured out this is Will Payton, Starman, not actually Jay Leno, comes walking up deadline, people in the background, hey, isn't that, yeah, that's the guy who sells Doritos. <laughs> and uh, yeah, again, he looks like Jay Leno, except for he's got the white eyes that Starman has. And I guess, again, I, I didn't watch Tonight Show on a regular basis at this point. But he makes Will Pate makes a start uh, makes a comment that it's not Monday night. So I guess maybe Jay Leno just showed up on Monday nights. 
I don't know if you guys watched the Tonight Show back in the late 80s, early 90s. Let me know. Uh, and <laughs> so Deadline's like, bah, 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 curses is like, Fisher's getting away. And Starman's like, say, does your mother know you talk like that? Buddy, your history. And shoots a, uh, a, a mini missile or something right at Jay Leno, a.k.a. Starman, catches on fire. And uh, so people are like, oh my god, it happened so fast. Why didn't they shoot him with napalm? He's still alive, and Starman rips his tuxedo off, becomes Starman. And someone there goes like, Jay Leno is, is Starman? <laughs> Can't be. Jay Leno's doing his late night show right now. <laughs> and so he strips off his clothes, he picks up his wallet and his keys, there's one of these those laying around, and he, sho- he shoves them in his gloves. Like He's like, I wish Jane had designed this outfit with pockets. So he shoves in his sleeve, as his, his gloves until later on. And so yeah, we get a little chase. Starman chases uh, Deadline down, who goes through a building, of course. And again, Deadline's going through things to catch up with uh, Finster. <laughs> He's like, I didn't appreciate the chase. And Starman flies up, captures. Deadline, who again goes substantial, falls through Starman's arms into the floor. And he melts away through the floor down to where Deadline's underneath the build underneath the uh, building where the plumbing and all that's at. <laughs> like this, Starman's like, come back here, killer. And <laughs> Deadline's thinking he's like, sucker melts through still, reinforce concrete, and expects me to stop? He writes. And so he's uh, Starman's looking for Deadline, and he's thinking that, you know, he wishes he had Superman's X-ray vision. And he's like, who is that maniac, and how does he do that? And Deadline comes up behind him with a quip, trade secret, name's Deadline. I don't usually kill for free, but I'll make an exception for you. And as he tries to cut Will, as we know, Will can turn incredibly hard. And so Will tells you, you know, start sharper knife than that, throws Deadline across the room and <laughs> Deadline takes his gun and phases it into Starman, pulls the trigger, causes a bit of an explosion. He's like, he's still standing? I phased my gun barrel halfway through him. Now alone should have killed him. What is he made of? And as we've commented previously, Starman's not quite human, so apparently he can take a gun phasing into him. And again, as I talked about in the synopsis, we get uh, Finster in jail. And like, he's like, never thought I'd be glad in jail. That or I'd owe my life to an honest Pete superhero. Starman, wherever you are, I love you. You're the greatest. And Deadline is walking through. Yeah, he's good, all right. Yeah, he's really made me earn my money tonight. Joey, Joey, you know it's nothing personal. I'm not mad at you or Starman. Thanks to you, I'm going to be a household word. You can't buy publicity like that. And so, again, even though Starman does, again, in quotes, stop the bad guy from getting to the, the, the his victim, his victim still gets it in the end. He, he's able to phase into the jail. So Starman did what he could. He wasn't able to capture the villain because, again, of his ability. But, and this, the Finster guy, Joey's not a good guy. He's not someone that you're going to really miss. So it's not really a bad thing that he's dead. It's just that, again, degrees of badness, I guess. 
And then the next page we end up with Starman reading the paper, showing how uh, Fincher was killed in jail. And again, Will being a superhero is kind of concerned, you know, if I would have stopped him, he wouldn't be, the other guy wouldn't be dead right now. And then he sees on the back of the paper, there is a uh, a picture of a story about a San Francisco hero battles for his life. And his buddy Phil's reading the back, he's like, Hey, Will, there's a picture of some guy on the back of the page. It looks sort of like he's only older. Guy relatives in Frisco named Deming. And Will's like, Deming? And turns and sees the picture. And he's like, oh my god, Dad? And so we get the next issue blurb, the secret of Will, uh, Starman's father. Apparently his dad's name is Raymond Denning, it looks like, from what we see on the article. Again, another great story. I love Deadline. Uh, the art in this is phenomenal as, awesome, as always. I love Starman. As I've talked about, I love the costume. The peanut butter and jelly costume, as it's referred to. This is my favorite costume for Starman. But... And I do like, over here in the, the letter column, uh, we get someone asking about Airwave 2. And the... Uh, who's writing the letter column? Bob. The editor, Bob Greenberger, saying that Airwave 2 has since become Mazer, and he's over in Firestorm, one of the Captain's Industries. And again, I, I love Firestorm, so I was definitely reading the book at this point. But not much else to go on here. This is a good story. Great art. I definitely recommend you check this out if you haven't read this yet. But Starman, it's a great book. Uh, now, without going to another commercial break, we're going to go ahead and we're going to jump right over to uh, Cop Comics Comic Rack. And these were the books that were on sale August of 1989. Uh, again, not all the books, just the ones I had an interest in or I want to mention. Uh, Action Comics 645, which I talked about earlier in the show. Uh, Adventures of Bayou Billy. <laughs> I think this was a limited series. Uh, Bayou Billy was a video game. I'm just scrolling through real quick. And I don't know how limited it actually was, but... I remember, okay, it was a five-issue series, it looks like. I had the video game of Bayou Billy, and I think I picked up an issue or two of this. This was from Archie. Not a fantastic series, but one I thought I remember. Because uh, I, mean, I had the, the uh, video game, and I'm pretty sure I picked up some of these comics. Just because, well, I had an addiction. Adventures of Superman's 458. This is part of After Superman's Return from Space. Uh, it's a return of the, again in quotes, the Elastic Lad story where Jimmy Olsen starts stretching. Again, pre-crisis he had an Elastic Lad ability. Uh, this kind of a nod to that. Great story. Also this month was Adventures of Superman 459. I, I know I read these. I don't remember offhand. This was uh, plotted by George Perez, scripted by Dan Jurgens. So you know it was great. The cover pencil was Dan Jurgens. Again, Dan, I love Dan Jurgens' work, so fantastic. Uh, this continuation of the uh, Elastic Lad storyline. This, I think, was before the triangle numbering, but the story still tied into one another, each of the titles. Uh, moving on, there was Amazing Spider-Man 325. This was labeled on sale twice a month. It was part of the Assassination Nation plot. Again, I don't remember that story offhand. It was uh, art by Todd McFarlane. McFarlane, guy never went anywhere, never did anything. Animal Man 15, a great series by Grant Morrison. I've talked about it before. This was in between 
Just League Europe number five and six, it looks like. And had a guest star of Dolphin. This was my first appearance, my first look at Dolphin during the post-crisis DC. I'd read her story in the uh, either, I think it was Action Comics or DC Presents or maybe both where with the Forgotten Heroes. So I knew of her before this. Also this month was Animal Man 16 on the cover shows some of the Just League Europe members. And also on the cover is the Time Commander laying on a, a tombstone or something dead it looks like. Again, I love the Animal Man series. a great book. Aquaman number four. This was the fourth issue of the uh, the miniseries that reintroduced Aquaman. And also this month was Aquaman number five. I said four was the miniseries. It actually, that may have been... Okay, that was the creator credits. Uh, no, yes, it was a four. Okay. Sorry, Aquaman. This was a five-issue miniseries. So both issues four and five was on sale this month. I enjoyed that series. That led to the regular Aquaman series. Also this month was Avengers 310 and Avengers Spotlight 25 and Avengers West Coast 51. I was buying Avengers at this point. I think Billy may have been buying Spotlight and maybe West Coast. Actually, no, this is the White Division, so I think I'd started buying West Coast Avengers by this point, I think. I don't remember right offhand. Uh, Batman 439, this is part of the Year 3 storyline, which is a great story. This was right before The Lonely Place of Dying. Then we had Batman 440, which was A Lonely Place of Dying Part 1. Part 1? Let me see here real quick. Yeah, Part 1 of 5. That was a great story. Uh, I think that's what I introduced Jason Todd. Not Jason Todd. Uh, Tim as Robin. Tim, yeah, Tim was noticing that Batman was darker since Tim... Let's try that again. Tim was noticing that Batman was darker since Jason died. So he was trying to approach Robin... I'm sorry, Nightwing, and get him to reprise his Robin. Anyway, it's a great story. Check it out. Uh, for more on Batman, check out Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin's Dark Knight podcast. Uh, for more on... Again, I'm forgetting to do about some of this. For more on the Superman storylines at this time, check out Michael Bailey and Jeffrey Taylor's From Crisis to Crisis on Superman podcast. Uh, moving on, there was, let me see, Captain America 363. I was reading Captain America at this time. This had crossbones on the cover. Also this month was Captain Adam number 13. This was uh, had Batman on the cover with Captain Adam in his old uh, Charlton costume. Again, I remember reading this, but I don't remember the storyline offhand. Uh, but I did enjoy this Captain Adam title. Checkmate number 21. This was uh, Bishop made a return. Bishop first showed up in the Janus Directive, which I'm covering over on my Task Force X podcast. Uh, classic Punisher number one I used to have. This. I think this is a reprint of some earlier Punisher titles. Uh, yeah, from Marvel Preview number two. And where's the other story from? Marvel Super Action. Yeah, so these are some reprints. If I'm not mistaken, in black and white. In fact, off the check, I may have that out in Manland. Uh, moving on from there, Daredevil 273. Check out David Weider's uh, Daredevil podcast. Uh, moving on from there, Detective Comics 605 and 606. Plus Detective Annuals. Detective Annuals? Detective Annual number two. 
605 and 606 as part of the Bloodlines or Blood the Blood Pack storyline, which was a big thing with Clayface. And then Detective Comics Annual Number Two was kind of looking at some of Bruce Wayne's train to become Batman, if I remember right. Again, for more on that, check out the aforementioned Ryan and Chris Franklin's podcast. Uh, moving on from there, Doctor Fate Number Ten. Again, this was a great series. This was uh, when Eric and Linda Strauss was Doctor Fate. Definitely check out Doctor Fate. It's a great series. Uh, moving on from there, Doom Patrol twenty six. This was part of the Grant Morrison run. I enjoyed the uh, Paul Coverberg series better, but I, I I liked this. It just started to get a little weird at some points. Uh, moving on from there, we have Excalibur fifteen. I've talked about that with my buddy Billy. Used to read that one. Uh, also, I'm sorry. Back up a step. Doom Patrol. For more on Doom Patrol, check out the Waiting for Doom podcast, which looks at that comic. Uh, Fantastic Four 333. Uh, there is a Fantastic pa fantastic Cast podcast out there. Check them out. Uh, this was... Again, I can't remember this. I know I read this at this time. But we get the Fantastic Four versus the Fantastic Four. Always a great story. Uh, Firestorm, the Nuclear Man number 90. Again, this was 10 issues before the end of Firestorm. This was part of the Elemental War when John Ostinger had made Swamp, uh, Swamp Man. Firestorm and Elemental... Definitely a great book. This, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Firestorm show up overnight. Swamp Thing Annual number five. I think this was contained to this one series. But again, I love Firestorm. For more on Firestorm, check out the Fire and Water podcast. Uh, Flash number 31. This had, I think that was Tina McGee. And I forget the villain's name. But yeah, I was reading Flash. That, that was a great story. I may talk about that on a pad, podcast somewhere. I don't know yet. A Nightmare on Elm. I'm sorry, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street number two. I think I had some of these. These were magazine size, possibly. I think I used to have a couple of these at one time. Read by Steve Gerber. G.I. Joe, A Real American Hero number 93. This was a, a look at Snake Eyes, and he was getting a new face, doing some plastic surgery. I love this series. That's why I talk about it monthly on my G.I. Joe, a Real American Headcast podcast. Also was G.I. Joe European Missions 15, which I won't be covering. But there was G.I. Joe Special Missions 28, which I will be covering at some point. In fact, if I'm not mistaken, if my memory doesn't fail me, this was the last issue of the uh, Special Missions series. Uh, these looked at smaller individual tells of the Joes. Great series. Uh, Green Arrow 24. Check out the uh, Sutherland's uh, Warlord World podcast where we look at everything from Mike Grell, which was the writer of this series. I don't I think I was yeah, I think I was buying Green Arrow at this point. Again, this is one of the ones I think Billy, my friend Billy, had started buying, and I ended up buying it on my own. Uh, moving on, Hawk and Dove number five. Again, I've talked about Hawk and Dove before. This was the yeah, the fifth issue of the regular series. Great series. In fact, over on my uh, Headcast, I'm sorry, Head Speaks podcast, I do talk about the Hawk and Dove Annual as part of two, as part of the Armageddon 2001 storyline. Talk Dove ties heavily into there. 
sadly. Uh, check that out. Anyways, uh, Hawk World number three. This is what reintroduced Hawkman, the new Hawkman, into the DC Universe. Again, a good story. Uh, actually, this was the series. This wasn't the uh, miniseries, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, let me go ahead and take a look real quick. No, this was the miniseries. Yeah, this was the miniseries that reintroduced Hawkman. Again, it could have been better if they would have, instead of taking place in current time, if it would have been, you know, five years ago or something set in the past. But neither here nor there. Hellblazer 23 and annual number one. I wasn't reading these at the time, but a guy I'd become friends with later, Scott Kessler, was reading these. Uh, it was a good series. When I read some of his books, and I picked it up on and off later on. Huntress number seven. This was the the Helena Bartelli, whatever Huntress that wasn't Batman and Catwoman's daughter. Incredible Hulk three sixty two. I think this was right before I started buying Incredible Hulk. This was written by Peter David. Um, I'm just trying to look here. Yeah, I think I started because the next issue of this we'll talk about next month is part of the Acts of Vengeance. I think probably when I started buying it. Iron Man three. I'm sorry, 249, uh, Just League America, number 31, and Just League Europe, number 6, was out this month. This is part of the Teasdale Imperative, it looks like, I believe the name of that storyline was. Again, and then the Just League Europe was back to school. Uh, the Just League America, Just League Europe was a great title. If we're on Just League at this time, check out the Just League International Wahahaha Podcast, my friend of the show, The Irredeemable Shag. Legion 89, number 8. I enjoyed the Legion. This was a precursor to the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, it stemmed out of uh, Invasion, which I've talked about. That was a good series. I love that one. Uh, moving on from there, there was The Light and Darkness War. I It was a Marvel comic. Uh, you know what? I can't say anything about it, but I think I picked that up. It looks familiar. Tom Veach. I want to say I enjoyed it, but again, I can't tell you anything about it, so I don't know. Manhunter number 18, which I talked about earlier today, in fact. Moon uh, Mark Spector, Moon Knight number 7. I was buying this title. I enjoyed Mark Spector. This was written by uh, Chuck Dixon. It was a good series. Uh, moving on from there, let me take a look real quick. And again, this is all come from Mike's Amazing World of Comics. I definitely recommend Mike's site. I'm vamping as I look at the titles in here. Mr. Miracle number nine. Mr. Miracle, this was a great comic. This introduced a new hero called Maxi Man. I said introduced. Actually, it looks like he appeared in issue six of the series first. But, uh, yeah, I forget right offhand. But I love this Mr. Miracle series. It was great. The Mutant Misadventures of Cloak and Dagger number eight. Another great series, which is now a uh, TV show on Freeform. I watched the first uh, four or five episodes of the TV series. wasn't impressed. wasn't bad. Just was too slow. Took long. Too long to get them their costumes, in my opinion. New Gods number three. I was buying this again. New Gods is one of those series that I would buy on and off. I, I tried to like it. I just couldn't get into it totally. New Guardians number twelve. This was the final issue of the New Guardians series. A lot of people didn't care for the New Guardians. I may need to reread that. I seem to remember enjoying it, but everyone else says it was crap, so I'll have to look and see. New Mutants 82. Uh, again, this is when I believe my buddy Billy used to read. Uh, New Titans 59. 
they're looking at the Wildebeest. This is before the Wildebeest, uh, I'm sorry, the Titans Hunt storyline. Again, I enjoyed the new Titans. This was Marv Wolfman, George Perez. How can you go wrong? Uh, moving on from there, uh, there was Inthman, the Ultimate Ninja. I had bought some of those. This was issue five. I don't think I only bought the first couple. I don't remember offhand now. Official Handbook of the Marvel Universe number five. That wasn't bad. I enjoyed Who's Who better, but it was a good series. Uh, Phantom number seven. Police Academy number two. I mentioned that. I don't recall seeing this. I don't think I bought this, but I enjoyed the movies. The first couple, at least. So, I don't remember that offhand. Power of the Atom number 16. This is near the end of the Power of the Atom series. I think it only lasted until issue 18, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I, I do plan on covering that some point over on Headspeaks once I finish my uh, Armageddon 2001 crossover. Also, this was Power of the Atom 17. Predator number three, Punisher number 26. Again, I lend me some Punisher. The War Journal number 11, Quasar number three. For more on Quasar, check out, uh, hopefully it'll come back soon, if it's not out yet. Uh, buddy Gene Hendricks has a Quasar uh, QuantumCast podcast where they look at Quasar and talk about that series. That was a good, I, I like that book. It was good. Uh, moving on from there. In fact, speaking of which, I haven't really covered it yet, but... I haven't gotten much listener feedback, but I do have some one bit of listener feedback that I will mention now since I'm talking about it. Um, over on my, where's it at? Over my Facebook page for the Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour, I, I do have a comment on there. Since I'm talking about this book right now, I will read this off right now. Uh, this comments is from our buddy Gene Hendricks. And this was on episode 18 of the show when I talked about... During the show, I think it was probably during the uh, Copic Comic Spinner Rack, I'd mentioned the same thing, that there was the Quantum Cast, I was recommending it. And my buddy Gene posted a comment on the Starman Manhunter Venture page. It says, to answer your wondering if we're still doing the Quantum Cast, he posted a picture of Bugs Bunny saying, yeah, could be. So hopefully it looks like QuantumCast may be coming back. I'm glad I enjoyed that podcast. As I said, I love this comic. I enjoy hearing uh, Gene and Adam Worth talking about it. But moving on from there, I've spent enough time on the QuantumCast. Question number 30. I don't remember if I bought this or not. This was written by Dennis O'Neill. I know I did buy some question books, but this may have been before I got into it. Uh, moving on from there, there was Secret Origin Special number one. Also, Secret Origin number 45. I'm going to skip that one. Secret Origin 45 was the Blackhawks and the new El Diablo, which isn't the same one from the Suicide Squad. And the special was focusing on the Batman villains. For more on Secret Origins, check out friend of the show Ryan Daly's now defunct. Secret Origins podcast. That was a great show. I was on there for like three episodes. Loved it. Uh, also this month was Sensational She-Hulk number eight, written by John Byrne. Uh, this was a great series. More of a comedic look at Sensational She-Hulk. I definitely enjoyed this. Uh, moving on for this month, there was also, let me see here real quick, The Sleaze Brothers number two. That was a Marvel book. I want to say maybe I picked up the first issue. 
It sounds familiar, but I don't know. Also, Spectacular Spider-Man 157. This was Spider-Man facing, facing off against Electro. Looks like, written by our buddy Jerry Conway. Well, not ours, but one of my the heroes I love. The guy who created Firestorm, Jerry Conway. So you know it had to be great. The Spectre 29, I was buying at this point. This was, uh, okay, this was written by Doug, Doug Minch. This was maybe right before or right after John Ostinger wrote the title. I forget right offhand. Yeah, I'm not going to go through looking, but I enjoyed I think it was after this. John Ostinger wrote it. It was a good series. Uh, moving on from there, uh, just a few left. There was Starman number 14 and 15, which I've talked about this episode. Suicide Squad number 33. This was part of the Apocalypse storyline with uh, Lashina, a.k.a. Duchess, returning back to Apocalypse. A great storyline. Check out the Task Force X podcast for more on that. Superman 36. This had the Prankster going after Morgan Edge. Again, I already talked about from Crisis to Crisis. Check out their podcast. Swamp Thing 98. I enjoyed Swamp Thing on and off. Uh, moving on, there was uh, Transformers to 59. Uh, coming soon, or actually maybe by the time you hear this, there will be a Transformers podcast out. Keep listening for that. I had started buying this book, I don't know, a little before this. So I was buying Transformers at this point. I was enjoying Transformers. Definitely a great series. It's one of my early books I started buying. Uncanny X-Men 253 and 254. Again, I'm going to say this was a Billy book. That I borrowed my friend Billy's books and read his. Unknown Soldier number 10. I had that mini. It was a 12-issue Maxi series. Great series. Web of Spider-Man 57. This had Spider-Man and uh, Rocket Racial, I believe the kid's name was. Again, another book written by Jerry Conway. Hmm, I didn't realize Jerry wrote both books at the time. What If number six. This was What If the X-Men had lost Inferno. What If was a great book. I enjoyed that. Wolverine number 17. And Wolverine Saga number three. Wonder Woman number 35. Again, this was a book that my friend Billy had bought. Eventually, when we parted ways and stopped hanging out, I started buying on my own. X-Factor 47. Again, that was a Billy book. I'm going to start calling those Billy books. Anyways, that's it for the Comic Comic Spinner Rack. Or Comic Rack. Whatever I'm calling this. Anyways, definitely check those out. Those are the books I enjoyed. There's other books that I didn't really mention that I just wasn't as into. There was Alf 22. I used to watch the TV show. But I think I only bought a couple issues of the comic. Uh, something like Better in Life. Or live action or you know TV instead of the comic. But... There was an Aliens comic, a few other books. But anyways, check them out. But you know what, kids? I think that's going to do it for tonight. So I guess we're going to wrap this up. It's about an hour and a half. We have four comics, so it's a little long. I'm going to end it now. So guys, have a good night. Thanks for listening. Check back next month when we continue our looks. Looks, our look. We'll be looking at Starman number 16. And Manhunter number 19. Definitely check us out. Until then, Star Hunters, keep looking to the stars.